The following podcast is brought to you by the Jonas Podcasting Network, found exclusively at wrestlingwithjonas.com. And we are back. Hello again, wrestling fans, and welcome to another edition of This Week in History. This week, we are going to look at the events that happened from December 31st until January 6th. I want to thank you for joining us on YouTube and Facebook, or if you're listening to us anywhere you are on Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, anywhere else you get your podcasts from. We are available on all platforms, including Twitter, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and you can always check us out, scumbagswrestling at gmail.com or scumbagswrestling.ca. So we have uh, some events to go through. This is a lighter week compared to what you're going to be doing next week. I'm trying to weed through all that uh, going on. And we're going to look at some uh, headlines, birthdays, uh, two Monday Night Wars. Last week I mentioned that we were definitely going to look at the one with uh, that will put butts in seats with uh, WCW and uh, WF. But I didn't realize that the night that Bret Hart had shown up uh, and did his hug with Sean was also a Monday Night Wars with Impact Wrestling and TNA. So we're going to talk about two Monday Night Wars after all. So not much else in the events section. Well, we can't do any of that until we go over to Niagara Falls and welcome in Jonesy, who helped put together this list. So, Jonesy, how are you this evening? I'm doing pretty damn good. The weather outside is not too bad. It's a little chilly, but uh, for January. Eh, well, yeah, well, it's supposed to get a little frightful here tonight, uh, I think, in uh, the London area. Uh was watching the news just before starting this up, and they're saying about snow squalls and stuff like that. So you never know with lake effect snow in our uh, lovely snow belt area here in uh, southwestern Ontario. Yeah, I it don't can be hit and miss. I think Toronto is it Toronto? Shit, I can't remember. It's actually it's very close to us. Fort Erie is supposed to get it this evening. Yeah, this yeah, being that, Thursday night. Well, this will be coming up on uh, later on tonight uh, for everybody to enjoy. But, yeah, we're supposed to get Lake Effect, and you never know. You could be on one side of London and have nothing, and the other side be Blizzard. It's the interesting thing about our, the size of our city and where the weather goes. But we are not uh, pronosticators of weather. We're, no, we're not. reviewers of history and wrestling. So if you want to stir it up, uh, we got some birthdays, first part to look at. All right. So the birthdays, uh, January 1st, it's a happy 38th birthday for Lindsay Kretzk. And that's with a Z on the end. Uh, best known wrestling fans as Veta Scott. Yeah, she's hey. uh, been on the Ontario scene as well uh, and done some stuff with uh, Impact Wrestling uh, AEW, uh, she did the uh, women's tournament stuff, and of course, fans around uh, this area would know her also as the uh, girlfriend of one speedball, Mike Bailey. Ah. Uh, also, January 1st, it's a happy 52nd birthday for Kimberly Bacon, but fan- wrestling fans best know her as Kimberly Page. Mm, Kimberly. 
Also on the first is a handsome fellow, Rodney of Mean Street Posse. He turns 51. You wanted to say something about uh, dear Kimberly? Well, with Kimberly, you can, uh, if you're a fan of hers from WCW time, you can always check out uh, Kimberly in somewhat of her glory, uh, acting in 40 year, uh, 40-year-old virgin. Oh, she was in that. I did not know. Yes. Oh, excellent. Um, also on the first, it's a happy 78th birthday for James Ray Hart, but wrestling fans know him best as Mouth of the South Jimmy Hart. The one-time AWA Southern Heavyweight Champion and 1960s rock singer. No, seriously, he was a member of the Gentries who had a top five hit, Keep On Dancing. And if you ever went to the Western Fair, they actually performed on that uh, uh, grandstand years and years ago. Um, Now, where was I? Oh, he managed over 50 single wrestlers, most notably, of course, Hulk Hogan, which honestly, I never thought he would. When he started managing him in uh, a little bit, and I think in WWF, he did for a couple matches, if I remember. 93. Yeah, kind of odd. And then he did it in, in, um, of course, WCW and all that. And I just, to me, I, I, I never thought of him as being a manager of Hogan, whether Hogan was a good guy or a bad guy. Just to me, it never fit. And I think he did manage him in, was it AWA or something? Uh, I'm not sure about the AWA because uh, I don't think Jimmy didn't go there. Uh, Freddie Blassie managed them. Uh, Hogan and that, but uh, Jimmy turned face on uh, one of the for early episodes of uh, Raw in uh, January of '93 when Money Inc. ended up taking out Beefcake with the Halliburton, oh, yeah. and that's, that's right. when uh, Jimmy turned uh, against Money Inc. because what happened to him there, and I guess obviously the good friendship with Hogan and manager outside of uh, the business as well and so that they've been friends ever since then at least definitely publicly worked together on uh different promotions and still even down in florida uh the tiki bar and uh, hogan's uh, barbecue place or whatever it is uh they're always doing cross promotions that would be great to go down to that place uh, of course, um, others he uh, manages, Jerry Lawler, the Giant, King Kong Bundy, Earthquake, the Honky Tonk Man, in 16 tag teams, including the first family, the Nasty Boys, and of course, the Hart Foundation. Hart also composed many theme songs for the WWF and WCW, most notably the Honky Tonk Man song, which of course was the best uh, ever composed. Uh, Hulk Hogan uh, song, the one in WCW, not uh, WWF. Uh, the Fabulous Rougeos, the NWO Wolfpack, and Shawn Michaels. Now, I'm not sure when he did Shawn Michaels. That would have been Sexy Boy. Really? Yeah, that kind of yep. sounds like his stuff, yeah. Uh, he also composed the themes for the first SummerSlam in 1988, which was awesome, and WrestleMania uh, six, which was actually pretty good, too, uh, which would be reused over uh, the next few years. Uh, he also founded two short-lived promotions in the 2000s, the Excitement Wrestling Federation and Wrestlelicious. 
most recently, after an eight uh, year off and on uh, again stint in TNA, Hart returned to the WWE in 2011, working primarily on WrestleMania related projects. Hart is a member of the WWE Hall of Fame class of 2005, the World Class Wrestling Association Hall of Fame, and received the Manager's Award from the Kelly Flower Alley Club in 2015. All in all, a pretty uh, great guy in the wrestling business uh like him whether he's a good guy or a bad guy he's just a little runt yeah he was part of uh the uh, legends house as well uh some of the highlights i have on the little slide that uh people watching visually can see are the fact that he sang uh, keep on dancing you mentioned with the gentries he sang eat your heart out rick springfield on the original wrestling album and then followed up with crank it up on the uh, pile driver album and uh that was used i guess for the uh young stallions which he had no relation to uh in for managing them at all and then, of course, you said uh, well over 50 uh, people they managed. And I got a list here definitely consisting of, obviously, Hogan, Hockey, uh, Savage, the Mountie, the Renegade, uh, the Giant, the Glamour Girls, Natural Disasters, Rhythm and Blues, the Funks, King Kong Bundy, the Missing Link, Danny Davis, Greg Valentine, Adrian Adonis, Brutus Barbeefcake, Jerry Lawler, the Dungeon of Doom, uh, Dino Bravo, Earth. Earthquake, Money Inc., Nasty Boys, Rujos, and of course the Heart Foundation. And, and, and Canadian Earthquake. Yes. Then so, happy birthday, Jimmy. Yes. Happy birthday to that guy. I wonder if uh, he blows out the candles with his megaphone. All right, January 2nd uh, would have been the 125th birthday of Christos uh, Flilo. that's a hard one, uh, a.k.a. the Golden Greek, Jim Londos. Uh, Monday Night Wars, we're going to go with January 4th, 1999. And yeah. January 4th, sorry, are you going to do this? Go ahead. Yeah, I can do part of it. Um, I'll have you uh, run down what the cards were, but... This was the uh, infamous day in 99, 23 years ago, uh, on Nitro when Hollywood Hogan defeated Kevin Nash in less than two minutes with the uh, good old uh, poke of doom. And we'll uh, mention about that in the title changes. Uh, but that also was the same night that Eric Bischoff had Tony Giovanni uh, make this uh, claim and said, fans, you're... Evening, uh, if you're even thinking of changing the channel to our comp uh, competitors, fans do not. We understand that Mick Foley, who used to wrestle here one time as Cactus Jack, is going to win their world title. Ha! That'll put uh, some butts in seats. Blah. And he kind of regrets that uh, to this day, obviously, uh, if you look, uh, listen to his podcast. And uh, he says, hey, you know, it was... It's supposed to not work the way it did, and it did work that way. And he acknowledged that it was uh, Eric Bischoff. Even Eric uh, acknowledges that maybe not the best uh, thing to have done, but it happened. And as a result, in that moment that followed, as many as 600,000 households switched from Nitro to Raw, uh, though the match didn't uh, begin for another half hour, 
those people stuck around to see exactly what uh, Tony promised. Mankind, the once and future Cactus Jack, defeating The Rock for his first WWF championship. And like I said, the rest is history. But what happened on Monday Night Nitro that night? Uh, on the card was uh, we had Hugh Morris with Jimmy Hart uh, defeating Glacier, and that was a quickie. Uh, Booker T defeated Amroy Hale in under a minute. Shavo Guerrero Jr. defeated Norman Smiley. That was a longer one at four minutes. Uh, Chris Benoit defeated Horace. Uh, Chris Jericho defeated Saturn by DQ. That one went for eight minutes. Uh, Juventud Guerrero and Psychosis defeated Kidman and Rey Mysterio Jr. in a Texas Tornado uh, tag team match. Conan defeated Scott Steiner with Buff Bagwell in his corner by DQ. Uh, a lot of DQs. Uh, Bam Bam Bigelow versus Wrath ended in a no contest. Ooh, we're getting different. Uh, Diamond Dallas Page defeated Brian Adams with Vincent. Wow, that was the longest one on the card. Nine minutes. And Hollywood Hogan with Scott Steiner defeated Kevin Nash with Scott Hall to win the WCW World Heavyweight Championship. That was the finger poke of doom. It took a minute and 41 seconds. That uh, seems longer than it actually took. But Yeah, that whole show was just a build-up to doing that one thing. Like None of these matches that were preceding it, maybe the exception of DDP and Brian Adams, a aka crush were any good like nine minutes for that match but everything else was as you mentioned dqs and under that i don't know why people would want to uh, tune into it. of course you can watch it on the wd network uh, or on peacock wherever you get your thing from but all that build-up and tension between nwo red and nwo uh black and white to be a ruse for the finger poke and them all celebrate, as you saw in the uh, bottom corner of uh, the graphic here. Yeah, total waste of time. And I don't know how they thought giving away the results of the other show was going to keep fans there to, to them, regardless of the Georgia Dome or not. Yeah, I mean, if the match of Hogan and Nash was actually more <laughs> um, legit, if you know what I mean, um, but competitive, the, the well, that too. But the, I think a way around that is if they would have had a tag match and then the tag match, you know, ends in you know, interference or something, and then Nash grabs the mic or something and gets an altercation with Hogan and then says, I'll put up the belt, and then there you go, then you can do your finger poke of doom. Ha ha, see, guy. And so at least you got a match with those guys, plus, then you get that, not yeah. just. Here they come. All right, we're going to see an awesome match. Oh, frig. Yeah, that's kind of weird. And so then over on Monday Night Raw. Uh, we had Steve Blackman defeat uh, Ken Shamrock. Uh, Mark Henry defeated Goldust. Uh, the Godfather versus Test ended in a double DQ. Uh, none of these matches went past uh, five like minutes. four minutes. Uh, five minutes, yeah, we'll say five minutes. Um, uh, the Godfather uh, versus Test ended in a double DQ. Triple H with China defeated Mankind with Shane McMahon as a special guest referee. Really, three minutes. What a oh. Edge uh, versus D'Lo Brown ended in a no contest. 
uh, Kane versus Pat Patterson and Jared Briscoe ended in a no contest in a handicap match. Holy Jesus. Uh, the Road Dog defeated El Snow to retain the WWF Hardcore. There was your almost your longest match of the night. And At the, the same time as when DDP and Brian Adams were going against each other. Well, yeah, there you go. And then, of course, we had Mankind with Billy Gunn, China, and Road Dog Triple H in X Pac in his corner defeat The Rock with Kane, Shamrock, McMahon, Shane McMahon, Test the Big Boss Man, and Vince McMahon over in The Rock's corner to win the WWF Championship. And uh, Mick Foley got his, uh, definitely his moment in the sun, his hard work all those years. And uh, then he finds out his uh, former place of work kind of made fun of him. But you know what? He thanked Tony later on. He, he felt uh, really offended also that they uh, did that because uh, he didn't feel he left on bad terms, but just way he got. It was just the it was just the Monday Night War, and that's you know yeah. they were they were throwing shit at each other. So, but looking at the uh, just this card, uh, knowing that WD had recorded theirs on the 29th of December and showed it on January 4th. The results are almost exactly the same, mirroring up the two cards to each other, disqualifications mm -hmm. and countouts all along the way. And then you got the eight minute match with uh, Road Dog and Al Snow going against DDP and Brian Adams, also eight minutes. And then you have the shenanigans that happened with the uh, NWO and Mankind on the other side. Like it was all mirrored almost exactly, yet. If you know that you are going against a card that really, I wouldn't want to see a whole bunch of countouts and disqualifications. Why would you present one then yourself live? Yeah. Oh well, WCW Monday Night Wars. Yeah. What was that WCW? If it can be ruined, they will or something. I can't remember. Pretty much. Uh, okay, so the title changes. Starting with January 1st, 1981, Dick the Bruiser beat Ken Patera to win the NWA Missouri Heavyweight Championship. Uh, we saw uh, January 2nd, 32 years ago, 1989, at an NWA Power Hour taping in Gainesville, Georgia, Arn Anderson defeated the great Muda to win the NWA World Television Championship. January 3rd, uh, 22 years ago, on Raw's War 2000, Triple H defeated a Big Show to win the WWF Championship. And on the same show, Stephanie McMahon declared Chris Jericho in China co-intercontinental champions. Uh, January 3rd, 22 years ago, uh, in 1999, on Nitro from Greensville, South Carolina, David Flair and Crowbar won a one-night lethal lottery tournament to win the vacated WCW World Tag Team Championship. Uh, defeating Kevin Nash and Scott Steiner in the final. Gotta love the lethal lottery. Yes. Uh, January 4th, uh, 23 years ago on Nitro, Hollywood Hogan uh, defeated Kevin Nash in less than two minutes to win the WCW World Heavyweight Championship. All right. All right. We just ran that one down. Um, so, yeah, some uh, headlines. Our headlines, we got the December 31st, 11 years ago, uh, ZZW uh, star Nick Cage, uh, sorry, Gage, uh, real name Nicholas Wilson, 
turns himself in one day after New Jersey authorities announced he was wanted for robbing a PNC bank in Collingswood, New Jersey on December 22nd. He was homeless and addicted to Oxycontin and painkillers at the time of the robbery. He got $3,000 after handing the lady teller a special note. Uh, Gage and his uh, girlfriend would then go to Atlantic City and gamble. Uh, Cage got uh, five years for second-degree robbery, and it made him even more of a badass for ZZW. Yeah, and then uh, Dark Side of the Ring just did a uh, whole episode on him, and unfortunately, because of that and the Dark Side of the Ring, this piece of shit and his deathmatch uh, thing basically got rebirth in life in 2021, and... I don't know. I, I get addictions and thankfully I have not had to deal with one, but come on, that, this guy getting a spotlight in 2021 after the history he has, something's really wrong with the wrestling world. Yes and no. Uh, I only, I, I, I respect the guy in some way, even though he has all those, you know, scars and I'm talking about emotional scars and stuff like that is the guy is a, a crazy in the ring. He uh, takes a hell of a lot of dangerous chances, but he's doing it for what he loves. And I do respect that as far as that's, that's what he's good at. He found what he was good at. Um, I don't particularly re recommend everyone wrestling like that, but Hey, it's made him, uh, um, got him uh, a star in a lot of people's eyes and uh, hopefully he uh, conquers his addictions but I don't think he will after you know seeing that documentary but it is what it is yep he's not the only guy in uh, the wrestling world that's uh, hooked on the goofballs uh January 1st uh 15 years ago 2007 on raw Kevin Federline defeated John Zena in a no DQ match. Federline was seen by WWE personnel as a model citizen. He had a brief run and was the, was the final straw for his marriage as his wife. Britney Spears saw a clip of Federline on WWE programming. Uh, she laughed and Kevin went into a rage and destroyed some property. It was the final straw for the, that volatile marriage as Britney filed for divorce the day after the incident. Uh, the divorce was finalized in July 2007. As for K Fed's album, calling it a commercial failure would be an understatement. Uh, good old 6,000 copies sold in the first week and about uh, 16,000 copies were sold as of 2017. Yeah, and uh, another headline that uh, is on this uh, slide includes Brock Lesnar. On December 31st, uh, 2011, yep. 11 years ago, Brock announced that he he was going to retire from MMA uh, just one day after his loss to Alistair Overeem, Overeem uh, via TKO at UFC 41. The boat was Lesnar's first after overcoming diverticulitis 14 months earlier an ailment that nearly killed Lesnar. Lesnar uh, made a one-time return for UFC 200 in July 2016 with a loss due to failing two drug tests. And, of course, we know that Brock is uh, back in WWE looking like a Viking, uh, or a farming Viking in his overalls as well, and is now the new WWF, or WWE 
world champion after beating uh, the other four at day one. So we'll see what goes on with that. He's like That's a it. bald, powered-up hillbilly Jim. <laughs> yeah, somewhat. Don't go messing with that, country boy. All right, some birthdays. We got January 3rd. New Jack uh, would have celebrated his 59th birthday. And when did he die? Did he die? Just last year. Well, he did, okay. Yeah. You know, maybe it's because I thought he was dead for years, but... Uh, January 3rd, Hart family uh, member, Dean Hart, would have turned 68. Uh, also on the 3rd, today's the 70th birthday of longtime commentator James William Ross. But of course, fans know him as good old J.R. Jim Ross. Uh, and barbecue sauce pioneer. Uh, born in Fort Bragg, California, Ross was a three-sport athlete at uh, Westville High S uh, School in Oklahoma, excelling in baseball, basketball, and football. And you, you go, what? He he was athletic? Okay. Yeah, it's one of those, who knew? Uh, you may be able to accept football, but to know uh, baseball and basketball? But, you know, baseball, I could, I can see also because you don't have to be in, say, the greatest sh shape or at least appear to be in the greatest shape because, you know, I could see him as definitely an old uh, catcher. Yeah. Basketball, like, holy shit, man, that's a lot of back and forth. But he must have been a little more uh, slim and trim back there before he got hooked on the sauce. And that's barbecue sauce. Uh, and more about him, when Jim Cornette Jr. Uh, bought the Mid-South, a.k.a. Universal Wrestling Federation, and merged it with his own promotion in 1989, Russ was brought along and teamed with David Crockett and Tony Schiavone on play-by-play. -play. Russ would also team with uh, Bob Cadell uh, in the late uh, 1980s. He also doubled as play-by-play -play man for the Atlantic Falcons radio broadcasts in 1992. Eventually, Ross became the head of broadcasting for WCW, but had issues with Eric Bischoff. Uh, Bischoff would eventually ascend to executive producer in 1993, at which point Ross demand, uh, demanded and got his release after he was taken off the air. Uh, Ross was quickly snapped up by the WWF and made his uh, debut at WrestleMania 9. And of course, the rest is history for another day. Yeah, um... It was interesting at that time also uh, when he was uh, still working for WCW by having those issues with Bischoff. He was doing actual radio show at the time, and those, I guess, are now archived uh, with uh, ad-free shows because Conrad Thompson was able to uh, buy the archive of those episodes. But before he even went to the WWF, he actually had Vince McMahon on the show, and people were just kind of weird by that because you work for WCW, and it was almost foreshadowing what was going to happen. And then I, mm -hmm. uh, he climbed the ladder after getting fired a bunch of times and became uh, one, a former head of talent relations. Uh, as you mentioned, he worked for Mid South Wrestling UWF, uh, helped facilitate the sale to WCW. Uh, it worked for WCW, worked for WJF, WDE, also in Smoky Mountain Wrestling briefly uh, when he wasn't in WJF uh, TV, he was sent down there. And of course, now he's one of the lead voices for AEW. Uh, 
Wrestling Observer Newsletter deemed him the best television announcer in uh, 1988 through to 1993. Again in 98 uh, through to 2001. And 2006 to 2007, 2009, and 2012. Hall of Fame uh, for WWE in uh, 2007. NWA Hall of Famer in 2016. Lead announcer for the XFL first version in uh, 2001. Uh, played Lance Russell in Man in the Moon movie with uh, Jim Carrey. Barbecue sauce extraordinaire. Uh, because the main event mustard and everything going on that way. And, of course, four books. Uh, basically, he's uh, been with the Can You Take the Heat cookbook uh, for WWF in uh, 2000, JR's cookbook 2003, Slobberknocker, his uh, first part of his autobiography in 2007, which I've heard in his um, podcast that it's being made almost into a screenplay, so we could be seeing the life of Jim Ross somewhere, whether it's on the big screen or on uh, some in-demand uh, movie. Mm-hmm. And uh, then Under the Black Hat was his last one that was released just before the pandemic started. And uh, he also has his uh, Grill and JR podcast with Connor Thompson every Thursday, I believe. So... A lot of things going on for this guy that got into the business starting as a referee, a limo driver for, uh, uh, what's his name, uh, McGurk, and now where he is today. It's a lot of history for that man. Yeah, I'm, I'm fairly happy with his style, especially, you know, after growing up with Gorilla Monsoon, and then here comes JR, and it's like, Wow, you you know didn't miss Gorilla as much as uh, we would have if uh, someone uh, crappier came along. Yeah, and he's basically, I think, uh, in most people's eyes, surpassed to be the greatest uh, commentator right now, um, going past Gorilla Monsoon, Gordon Sully, uh, Bob Cottle, and a few others. Uh, Definitely those guys are in top five, but I think a lot of people would put JR as their number one. Yeah, I don't know if he'd be my number one, but uh, uh, he would definitely, he's definitely up there, that's for sure. Uh, So, whole whack load of birthdays. Um, January 4th, uh, we have two. One half of the Young Stallions tag team Jimmy Powers turns 63. And Chris Canyon would have turned 52. Who you, who, yeah, Jesus, I screwed that up. Who better than Canyon? Who better Canyon? than Canyon? Yeah, thank you. Um, January 5th, WCW's Ultimate Solution is 65. Uh, I believe he Jane, also played Bane in one of the uh, uh, Batman movies. Yes, and that, that would be him at the bottom in the white shirt, is that? Yes. Not the ultimate solution. He also kind of looks like um, uh, Buddy, the father from uh, Pawn Stars a bit. (laughs) Except a lot muscular. Uh, January 6th has a whack load. We got Jacqueline at 56 years old. She's always a beauty. Jacqueline liked her. Ludwig Borga, 59. He kind of, he kind of didn't pan out too well, but damn, he looked good. Um, And I meant as far as you know, in wrangle, yeah, 
Yeah, not looking good, though. That haircut, awesome. Uh, we got Moondog Spot at 70, uh, Toro Tanaka at 88, and Conan at 58 years old. Good old Max Moon. Yeah, you know, I liked the looks of the Moondogs. I thought the Moondogs' uh, look was, uh, what a great looking tag team. Yeah, and as far as Moondogs go, uh, when they broke up, unfortunately, one of them became Demolition Smash, but mm. was recognized too much as being a Moondog and ended up uh, having to vacate that role, and that's where Barry Darso came in. But I do not believe it was this Moondog. I believe it was the other one, mm -hmm. Rex. All right, the Monday Night Wars. I'm going to let Sean set this one up. January 4th, 2010. Yeah, January 4th, 2010, TNA had a special live edition of Impact to go head-to-head -head with the WWE in their attempt to restart the Monday Night Wars. Uh, TNA had uh, hired Hulk Hogan, and he was making his debut there. They thought they'd make a big splash and go against uh, Monday Night Raw after all this time. Uh, the counter to it was because they were able to advertise way far in advance when they announced Hogan's signing. WWE decided to bring in the big guns of Bret Hart and see how hell froze over uh, that night. And uh, a lot of uh, former WWE guys showed up at uh, Impact as well. And... It was kind of dark days going ahead with uh, Impact at that time because a lot of people think here comes Hogan Bischoff, uh, the Outsiders, and uh, Waltman and everybody, and everybody else got pushed to the side just for this, and money thrown at these guys didn't really pay off in the end, I don't think, because they uh, rebooted Monday Night Wars, did not actually happen, and Impact went back to Thursdays. But uh, the extended episode was uh, most noted for the debut of Hogan, Eric Bischoff, Ric Flair, Orlando Jordan, Sean Morley, who was Val Venus, the Nasty Boys, and the return of Jeff Hardy, who we saw at the end of the show sitting on top of the cage, Scott Hall, Sean Waltman, and Shannon Moore. It took place at the TNA Impact Zone in uh, Orlando, Florida, and uh, aired live uh, against Raw, but then moved uh, again back to Thursdays when that failed, as I said. Uh, if you want to run down the card for that show. Sure. Uh, we got, uh, and this is for... Impact Wrestling. Oh, this is for Impact. Okay. The Steel Asylum match with Alex Shelley, Chris Sabin, Consequences Creed, Homicide, Jay Lethal, Kyoshi, Suicide, and The Amazing Red ended in a no contest. Wow, only four minutes and 30 seconds. In a steel cage. Oh, God. Uh, ODB defeated Terra uh, to become the new TNA Women's Knockout Champion at two minutes and 40 seconds. Awesome Kong and Hamada defeated uh, Sarita and Taylor Wilde to become the new TNA Women's Knockout Tag Team Champions at uh, 9 minutes and 40 seconds. That sounds more reasonable. Uh, like, uh, why did they do that? Like, okay, the champion, the ODB, defeated Tara. Tara was the champion, of course. So not much of a champion if you get beat in 2 minutes and 40 seconds. Like, uh, the former Victoria from WWE, yeah. Oh. Uh, 
Uh, we had, uh, well, I'm not even going to mention that one because that was only 30 seconds. Um, we got Delangelo De Niro defeating Desmond Wolf at uh, 2 minutes and 40 seconds. So Joe defeated Abyss in about 5 minutes. And AJ Styles defeated Kurt Angle to retain the TNA World Heavyweight Champion at a respectable 22 minutes. Yeah, it's also highlighted with a big segment of Hogan coming out and uh, hyping up the crowd. And Waltman and uh, Hall were in the audience, and they uh, wanted to get their say in, so Hogan invited them in. Next thing you know, they invited Nash in, and as things were going on, poof, Eric Bischoff showed up, and he was siding with Hogan against the uh, Wolf Pack, basically, and they relied on their old shtick from WCW and uh, trying to put down WWF uh, and admitting their mistakes that they did in WCW and saying that this is a different uh, era and a different place. And you saw Dixie Carter in the crowd. But like I said, it didn't uh, pan out the way they wanted to. And then you go over to Monday Night Raw. I'll bring up that graphic. Uh, that one, as I said, that was uh, the return of Bret Hart. And everybody knows that after the Montreal screw job in uh, 97, uh, November 97, Hart went over to WCW, got his head kicked off by Goldberg, had his heart attack, and, or sorry, his stroke. Vince had actually uh, seen Bret at that time, and he'd even been inducted into the Hall of Fame, I believe in 2005, Bret had. But the biggest part of the whole thing was that we never saw Sean and Brett together because there was even rumors in uh, the Hall of Fame of 2005 that Sean was not going to be allowed to be there or Brett wasn't going to show up and Brett didn't show up at WrestleMania the next night because Sean was on the card so they made it excuses that way so this was the first time major thing with having Brett and Sean uh, in the ring so the opening segment of uh, the event saw Justin Roberts introduce Brad Hart as the guest host of the show. And this was when guest hosts were happening. Uh, we saw Betty White and Bob Barker and a bunch of other uh, celebrities do weekly things uh, to host, almost like a Saturday Night Live uh, thing. And this was Brett's week to do so. And when he came out, he uh, took the microphone and said, well, I guess Hal froze over. Uh, as the fans chanted, uh, we want Brett and welcome back. He thanked the fans uh, for their support over the years and noted uh, he won the King of the Ring tournament in that same arena, only to be jumped by Jerry the King Lawler. And the camera went over to Lawler, and Lawler was smiling uh, at the time. Hart then asked for Sean to come out, and Michaels appeared, and Hart asked uh, them to bury the hatchet and call a truce. Michaels uh, then said, Hart deserved what happened to him in Montreal and that, yeah, he disrespected Michaels and the business in 97 while the crowd chanted, you screwed Brett. So even though the fans had uh, accepted Sean and Sean was amazing for coming back, they still hold, held that grudge and, or at least did that in reflection of Brad Hart being there, whether they believed it or not. Um, so Michaels then said there's a big part of him that uh, didn't regret uh, what happened, but there was another part of him that was okay with it. Uh, Michael said he always respected Brett, 
but I got the feeling that Brett never respected him, and there were times he, he couldn't look at Hart. Michaels then said he didn't uh, think Montreal of Montreal when he thought of Brad Hart, instead remembering their WrestleMania 12 Ironman match. Hart then uh, said Michaels wasn't the easiest guy to work with at the time, and he had issues, but said it was a good time and to put that behind them and said they could uh, be friends. There's even a DVD documentary with them that JR sat down and uh, tells their whole rivalry. I believe that's on the network. I know I have it in my collection. Um, Hart then extended his hand to Michaels with Michaels shaking it. Michaels then went to leave, but came back and hugged Brett. As Michaels left, Hart called out Vince, and we'll talk about that after uh, Chris runs down the card. But there was um, also talk before this. Uh, I heard that they were going to try and talk to uh, each other, or people wanted them to talk backstage and figure everything out before it happened, and they both refused. And that was live as live can be, no uh, scripting, no net, and it was true emotion as opposed to talking it over and faking it in front of a crowd. Yep, at some point, yeah, but beside your differences, you just hope the other guy can do it. Yep. Um, so dark match, uh, on this one, uh, Brian, Brian Danielson, uh, defeated Chavo Guerrero, uh, on raw itself, Maurice defeated Brie Bella with Nikki Bella in the corner in a WWE Divas championship tournament quarterfinal. Uh, that went for a little over two minutes. MVP defeated Jack Swagger, Mark Henry and Carlito in a fatal four way match. About seven minutes. Uh, Triple H and Shawn Michaels, uh, champion at the time was Michaels, with Hornswoggle defeating Chris Jericho and the Big Show to retain the WWE United Tag Team Championships. Uh, Sheamus defeated Evan, oh, and that was 12 minutes. Uh, Sheamus defeated Evan Bourne, and Randy Orton defeated Kofi Kingston. About 11 minute mark. Yeah, looking at this card compared to uh, what TNA presented way different uh, going on there, and they bookended it with the whole uh, Bret Hart thing instead of how TNA put Hogan and friends in the uh, center. So I guess if you wanted to flip back and forth, you didn't have to have any conflict between what you were going to see and what you were going to miss because you didn't miss much if you uh, only went to TNA for the Hogan segment in the top of the hour. And you got everything else uh, with Brett on both ends. Because the show ended with uh, Brett calling out Vince. And Vince had uh, basically said that, uh, or Vince had came out and called out Brett, should I say. And Vince basically said he didn't hear yeah, Brett call out, out at the beginning of the show, but was willing to talk with him then. And so the final segment saw uh, Vince and Brett in the ring. And the two proud men initially uh, reacted uh, defensively, trading uh, cold words and icy glares, and their uh, distrust eventually began to thaw. Vince even announced Bret Hart's father, uh, Stu, would be inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame that same year. And after the two had shaken hands and raised each other's arms in a triumph and tr uh, truce, 
Vince reverted back to being Vince and ended up uh, low-blowing uh, Brett and walking out. And uh, the show ends with Brett on the mat in the field position, uh, knowing that he wanted to get revenge on the guy who basically just backstabbed him again. Uh, and, of course, this was all setting up for what we'd eventually see at WrestleMania with Brett versus uh, Vince and uh, the whole Hart clan in Brett's corner. And this is uh, from, from a guy who had a stroke. So they did a lot of covering up for Brett's weaknesses in that whole thing. Yeah, yeah I wish they just wouldn't have done that match. Understandable. Like, if they were going to do it, he should. it should have been a tag team or something because it just – it wasn't good. It wasn't entertaining. I didn't find it entertaining. It was like, sorry, Brad, all you could do is cake and stomp for the most part. <laughs> yeah, I forget what Sean was doing at that time. Uh, it could have been Brett and Sean against Vince and Shane or something like that with yeah. your idea there. Or even uh, Brett along with uh, the Hart Dynasty of uh tyson kid uh and davy uh boy smith jr or harry smith whatever he was going by at that time did they possibly get that on one of the raw shows or something they might have but red did have at least another match and he was in a tag team with i can't remember well, he also he... did defeat uh the miz uh for the united states championship yes but well, yeah there's a bit a lot of things they could have done differently with Brett and uh, covered up for his diminished uh, capacity and skills. All right, we're going to move on to head some more headlines here. Uh, January 2nd, uh, 19 years ago in 2003, in Albuquerque, New Mexico, a live SmackDown is highlighted by one of the more infamous weddings in WWE history. Don Marie and Al Wilson, Tori's father, played by Tori's real-life father, uh, get kayfabe married in their underwear. Al would end up dying in bed on their honeymoon as a re result of being oversexed, which led him to have a fatal heart attack in real life. Al passed away in April of 2019. Yeah, uh, not the what you want to see on your TV is Al Wilson in his underwear. Yet I just provided this picture for our visual viewers. And you know what? I can I can I can be fine with having Al in the picture as long as the uh, Lisa Marie is there. Don or Marie Tori or whoever it is. Yeah, Tori. Don Marie. Yeah. So January 3rd, uh, uh, the 200th Raw, uh, the show perhaps is most infamous for Degeneration uh, X uh, spoof on mankind. Uh, have a bad day. Raw's programming would nearly double Nitro's in the head-to-head -head rating, uh, 6.4 to a 3.3. And that was, so oh, sorry, that was January 3rd, 2000, I believe, WWE yep. Raw. Yeah, there you go. That makes more sense. Uh, January 5th, 2006, 15 years ago, uh, 2006, WWE signs N Natty Hart, a.k.a. Natalie, or Natalia, geez, my, my brain. Uh, she is the first and still the only third-generation woman to compete in the WWE. Yeah, and uh, I guess a lot of different records are being set by uh, Natalia right now, uh, most 
matches uh, in w for a woman in WWF history or WD history, uh, most wins uh, for a woman, and also I think uh, the most appearances at the Garden. I think in MSG, there's like I think at least three records she's uh, recently set uh, just in the last uh, little while uh, because of how long she's been around. Should they perhaps let her have one of the male belts? Mm, not the male belts, no. No, like even but a, maybe uh, give her one of the. Yeah. Uh, ah, she could get a tag team uh, male belt. She fills in for someone. There you go. All right, we're geniuses. Uh, January first, forty-one years ago, and that's nineteen eighty-one. A special event was held in Checkerdome in St. Louis. The event was Sam Muchnick's uh, final wrestling card he promoted. Uh, Muchnick uh, promoted events since 1932 and uh, on his own since 1942. The event was a part of Sam Muchnick Day in St. Louis, as declared by then Mayor Vincent uh, Shamoyle. Something like that. Uh, Jerry Blackwell beat Ox Baker and Bruce Reed in a handicap match. Uh, Dick the Bruiser beat Ken Patera to win the NWA Missouri Heavyweight Championship. And Ric Flair defeated Dusty Rhodes 2-1 uh, in a best-of-three-falls match to retain the NWA World Heavyweight Championship. On January 6, 1995, 26 years ago, uh, ECW House Party 96... Uh, the show was main evented by the final uh, bout of the public enemy who were leaving for WCW. The show also featured the ECW of RBD and the return of Shane Douglas. Uh, the show would become uh, episodes of ECW Hardcore TV. Uh, some of the matches on there was uh, Two Cold Scorpio defeating Mikey Whipwreck to win the ECW TV belt. Uh, the Sandman defeated Conan, retaining the ECW World Heavyweight Championship. And the public enemy, Johnny Grunge and Rocko Rock, defeated the Gangstas, New Jack, and Mustafa Saeed. And back to title changes. Oh, sorry, you're going to say something there? I imagine the uh, ECW host party is available on... Uh... WWE Network, whether it's as a pay-per-view or in the individual Hardcore TV uh, episodes. Yeah, one day I'll watch those. All right, uh, the title changes. Uh, January 4th, uh, we got uh, 2010. ODB wins the TNA Knockouts Championship from Terra on the live episode of Impact. Also on the 4th, 2010, Awesome Kong and Hamada defeat Sarita and Taylor Wilde to become the new TNA Knockouts Tag Team Champions. And also on the 4th, 2011, uh, at a SmackDown taping in Tucson, Arizona, Kofi Kingston defeated Dolph Ziggler to win the WWE Intercontinental Championship. It would air on January 7th. January 6th, 1946, 74 years ago, uh, in Iowa, Orville Brown defeated Sonny Ma Sonny Myers to win the National Wrestling Association Heavyweight Championship. When the National Wrestling Alliance forms about six months later, Brown would become its first champ. 
Uh, also on January 6th, 1995, Two Cold Scorpio defeated Mikey Whipwreck to win the ECW uh, Television Championship. In January 6th, 11 years ago, New Japan Pro Wrestling introduces the IWGP Intercontinental Championship belts. Uh, the championship was uh, first won by MVP in 2011 during the first tour of the United States. And that is it for this week in wrestling history, which, of course, is compiled from the vast land of Google, Wikipedia, CagesideSeats.com, last year's history notes, and most importantly, from fans and journalists that had front row seats to history. And, of course, a thank you, big thank you to Sean, who always edits um and a lot of it is on the show itself. He edits, uh, does a great job of correcting all my mistakes. And a big thank you to our sponsor, CoolBet, CoolBet.com and sports book betting and casino games. Stay cool and bet responsibly. And of course, always a shout out to all of our genres listeners and a hello to Paco out there in Mexico. It was great uh, hearing from you the other day and definitely will listen to you again. Yes, thank you to everybody who listens. Uh, as I said, usually on Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, watching us visually on YouTube or Facebook, it's greatly appreciated. Reach out, join us, share your thoughts and memories, and uh, yeah, we can include you in our uh, posts and uh, share your uh, memories of uh, the different events that happen. So uh, yeah, thank you for joining us, and hope everybody has a great weekend. We are out of here for another week, and we'll have a loaded uh, show next week with a lot of title changes, a little bit of birthdays, and a lot of headlines. So we'll see how it all shakes out and uh, if we can fit it into our uh, time schedule and go from there. But it will be good this time. Yeah, it'll be the 7th to the uh, 13th we look at. Have a great night, everybody, and we'll see you next time.